Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Our time, talent, and resources are limited, and life sometimes feels like a constant risk assessment about where we invest them. In our final installment of our series, Kingdom Lenses, we will receive a vision from Jesus that we are called to give everything to Him and His kingdom. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about something that that maybe you uh, maybe you have gathered around a table or with your family, kids and adults alike, and, and maybe you have done this in your lifetime. Have you ever played a board game? Yes, yes. How many of you love Candyland? All the kids always raise their oh, Jack's raising his hand. I, I don't like Candyland, but anyways. But we're going to talk about a board game today. The board game that we're going to talk about today is the board game called Risk. How many of you ever played Risk before? Risk is a very, very strategic game, right? The goal of Risk is, as you can see up here, you see the map of the entire world. Well, on each continent there are territories, and the the concept of Risk is to move your armies and your resources in such a way that you end up having the most, right? That you end up having the most territories or whatever it might be on risk. I've only played it once, um, and I was made fun of whenever my strategy came to fruition. But the reality of it is, is that it is a game that is based on main, or figuring out the risk of sending your army this way or using your resource this way or lacking defenses here or building up your defenses there, right? Risk, the concept is, is you are constantly making risk assessments throughout the entire game as to what you should do to win the game, right? That's, did you all, do you all, now you're realizing, oh, that's why it's called risk, right? That's really why it's called risk. It's, it is continuously, strategically, doing a risk assessment of your resources and your armies to take over the map. Believe it or not, risk is such a big deal that if you were to Google statistics of risk, there are a bunch of people like Emily who are math nerds and they figure out the statistics of what is the best way to go about this territory, that territory, this territory, and that territory. By the way, Emily, you, you were just accepted into a PhD program, right, for math, right? Yes, so give her a hand for that, yes. This is not two plus two, this is 15 pages, right, of equations, right, to figure out a math problem, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that risk assessment is a part of this game. And you and I both know that there is also risk assessment in every other part of our lives, isn't there? Think about it. From an individual level, right, if you're about to go do something, whatever it might be, you in your mind are going through pros and cons, risks and rewards of doing it. And we're not just talking about, you know, money. We're talking about things like Uh, should I go over to this family member's house when I know we are going to talk about this and we're just going to argue, right? How many of you have ever done that before? Be honest. Nobody's being honest today. Thank you. Right? Maybe you've met somebody brand new, right? And you begin to see what their life is like and you begin to weigh the risks of, of their conduct and what your values are 
and you determine how much time you're going to spend with that person. You do it at work, right? If you meet a person and their personality just rubs you the wrong way, there's this risk-reward assessment. It's like, how much do I want to talk and tell this person about my life, right? But then we also do it in everything else. Think about it. Mortgages. Mortgages. Whenever you th- when you're about to go buy a house, you have to figure whether or not the monthly payment can fit within your life and be able to do all the other things that need to be done with your finances, right? Uh, there's uh, <laughs> job choices. Well, this job will work me 60 hours. I'm going to have plenty of money, but am I going to have enough time for my family, right? There's a risk-reward assessment right there. Kids, do I do my homework? You should. You should do your homework. The risk is is that you fail and you have to wait another year to go to the next level, right? Yeah, exactly. We are constantly doing risk assessments in our lives. And then it goes even further beyond the individual level to the community level. Think about it. Corporations, before they make investments, have entire risk assessments modeled out. If you ever get on the stock market or anything like that, there's entire huge pages of risk assessment. Countries and kingdoms and how they uh, relate with other kingdoms often have risk assessments. Well, do we negotiate on friendly terms or do we need to do certain things to get them to do what we want them to do? And you'll hear things like sanctions and you'll hear conflicts and war. We live a life of risk assessment continuously. We play the game of risk every day of our lives. It might not be to get all the territories on a board, but it is in every relationship, in every facet of our lives, there is risk. Today, as we finish our series, Kingdom Lenses, we are going to learn from Jesus the kind of risks that are involved to live in his kingdom. Now, if you're joining us for the very first time today, we have been looking at the kingdom of God as Jesus taught, but also how Jesus modeled the kingdom in his life. From the very day one, Jesus shows up on the scene. He says, the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of God is here. And we're all like, what does this mean? And continuously throughout his time on earth, he would teach about this kingdom through parables, but also through how he lived his life, how he died on the cross, how he raised from the grave. And at the very end of his time here on earth, before he ascended into heaven, he gives the kingdom to his followers. He gives his kingdom to his followers to to allow the kingdom to come through their lives. And what we've discovered is that a kingdom looks like the king of the kingdom. Who is the king of the kingdom? Jesus. So if we are following Jesus and we are living in his kingdom, we are to take how he lived and what he taught to heart. We are to live it out every single day of our lives. It's not just this belief, but rather it is a life. The kingdom comes through our very lives. 
And so as we've been going through this, we have been getting visions of how we live out the kingdom of God. In today's parable, Jesus is talking to his disciples mere days or weeks before he is about to go to the cross. He is talking to them that he is not always going to be with them. And if he's not going to be with them, there are going to be moments that are going to try their faith. It's going to be difficult to believe in him. It's going to be difficult to live out the kingdom that he has brought. And he says, and he doesn't pull any punches. He does not sugarcoat this at all. He says, you are going to suffer. You are going to hurt. You are going to be persecuted for living out the faith that I have called you to live. And in this moment, he is trying to encourage them to be faithful to him and to his kingdom, regardless what comes his disciples' way. Regardless what comes our way. And so we are going to read in Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14 today. It will be up on the screen for you. And again, keep in mind that he is saying... I am leaving, remain faithful, because this is what the kingdom is like. And this is what we read in Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was leaving on a trip, and he called his servants and handed his possessions over to him, to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one, and he gave each servant according to that servant's ability. Then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. And in the same way, the one who had two valuable coins gained two more. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional coins. And he said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Excellent. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will put you in charge of much. Come and celebrate with me. The second servant also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. And his master replied, Well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I I knew that you were a hard man. You harvest grain where you haven't sown and you gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here you have what's yours. His master replied, you evil and lazy servant, you knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed? In that case, you should have returned my money over to the bankers so at least when I have returned, you could have given me what belonged to me with interest. 
Therefore, take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has ten coins. Those who have much will receive more, and they will have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Now, take the worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Now, the first thing you need to understand is that this coin, that our translation boiled down to coin, but you might have heard this as the parable of the talents, right? And here's the reality. Whenever you think of a coin, you're thinking of a quarter, something that's really small, right? Here's the deal. This coin or this talent was actually worth a lot. This is not, this is not a small amount of money. This is a big gift, right? So think $5,000, $2,000, $1,000, okay? Think that through a little bit. So this master is giving his servants these talents, and he gives to them exactly what they can handle. And what's really interesting here, friends, is that a lot of times you and I get hung up on, well, five got five and two got two, but one just still had one, right? We get stuck on how much they gained. But do you notice something about the master and what he says to each servant, especially the faithful servants, right? He doesn't, he doesn't uh, compliment them on how much they have gotten back. He says, good and faithful servant. So it doesn't necessarily matter how much they had. What mattered is that they did something with what they had. They did something with the coin that they were given. And so this master, in this kingdom of God, that we are to live in is doing something a lot different than what we're used to. We're used to results-based results-based goals, right? Work this hard, get this much, right? That's what we're used to. But what this master is saying is you just need to do something with it and you will be faithful. As Ralph Earle says this so well, the reward he promised was based on faithfulness, not ability. So the servants who did well, who were faithful, it, again, it wasn't based on how much they had, but rather that they did something with the coin that they had. However, you still might be asking the question, but what did, what did the first two servants do to get five more coins or two more coins, right? Anybody thinking that way? How do you do this? How do you get a return on investment like this? This sounds great. Is there, is there a money-making scheme in here? No. The coin is representative of something, friends. Jesus tells this parable in a vague way intentionally because if he tells us how the first and second servant get five or two more coins, you know what happens? The focus of the parable now goes to them and their ability and their time and their effort and their resources. It's all about them. 
So if we get a, if we get a detailed play-by-play -play of how in the world these servants gotten a return on these coins, it wouldn't be about the kingdom anymore. It would be about the servants and who they are. Do you hear that? The point of this parable isn't to say exactly how they steward their coin, but rather to do something with it regardless. M. Eugene Boring says this, The meaning of being good and faithful is not mere theological correctness, passive waiting, or strict obedience to clear instructions, but active responsibility that takes initiative and risk. So take out the middle three lines there, and here, the meaning of being good and faithful is active responsibility that takes initiative and risk. Some of you are thinking, carpe diem, seize the day, right? Some of us are thinking these, these concepts that we've heard our entire lives of make the most of what you have, right? Well, because this parable is supposed to share about the kingdom of God, obviously the master is somebody in the kingdom, and obviously the servants are somebody, right? The master is God, right? You all figured that out. For, you're, you guys are smart folks. I know that. So the master is God, and the servants are the disciples or the people in his kingdom, okay? It's just like when Jesus says, hey, I'm going to leave for a while, but then I'm going to come back. So too, the master leaves for a while, but then comes back. So what this is about is that Jesus is giving the keys of the kingdom, the coins of the kingdom to his disciples, and he's going to be away for a while, but then he's going to come back. And the servants the disciples will be judged according to whether or not they were good and faithful. Not according to, you know, how much they gave or how much, how much time they spent or how many people came to know Christ through their lives or all these different kinds of things that we like to think, we like to gauge effectiveness. No, to be effective is just to take what God has given you and be willing to have initiative and risk involved. To take the step of faith. The coins don't represent money. It represents life. Period. What is your life made up of? Your life is made up of you, the people who you live with, the people who you depend upon. It also involves your time and your talents and your resources. Think about that. Your life is made up of all kinds of things. You have 24 hours in a day. What do you do with your time? That's a part of your life. Each and every one of us have things. Finances, clothing, possessions. What do we do with those things? Each and every single one of us has talents. And by the way, we, we, are so, we so minimize talents, by the way. We're like, oh, well, you can sing. And oh, you can... People who are good at math has a talent. Coming back to math. <laughs> That's an amazing talent. 
to be good with figures and numbers. People who are far more well-spoken, that is a talent. Somebody who is just willing to do whatever it takes, the dirtiest job possible, that is a talent. All of this is the coin, friends. Each and every one of us has been given a life according to our abilities. And the question that this parable brings to us is, what are we doing with it? Are we keeping it for ourselves? Are we doing it to get this goal done in our own lives? Is it, what are we using our life for? What are we living this life for? And this is when things challenge, this is when Jesus begins to challenge us. Because, friends, as we've learned about the kingdom, the goal of anybody who believes in Jesus Christ, who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, their goal in life is to bring forth the kingdom, to worship God, to bring his kingdom into the earth as it is in heaven. The goal is a mission of making disciples of all nations. The goal is to love people as Christ has loved us. And our, our goals in life is our time and our talents and our resources given to God, or are we keeping some for ourselves? This is when things get hard. This is when the kingdom intrudes upon what we want into the world. And you might even ask the question, well, why in the world would I do this? It's my time and it's my ability and it's, hold the, hold the phone for a second. There's another part of this parable that we have to remember. Do you wonder why the servants go straight back, to, whenever the, 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 the master comes home, do you, do you wonder why they don't keep any of the coins for themselves? Do you ever wonder that? They, they did the work, right? They deserve some of these coins that they gained, but they don't. They give it straight back to the master. And then when we get to the very last servant, he says something. That's very, very interesting. He says, you harvest grain in place in land that you don't own, and you sow seed in places that you don't own. It's not necessarily own. I think it's another word. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You know what this means? That this master owns everything. This master owns everything. And if the kingdom of God is like an owner who owns everything and, and sows seed where he doesn't always harvest and harvests where he doesn't always sow seed, that means, friends, that the God revealed in Jesus Christ owns everything, including this world. 
including you and I and the time and the talents and the resources that we have. Do, do you hear this, friends? You and I have been given our lives. It's not this, oh, I make the most of my life. What Jesus is trying to share with His disciples is your life is not your own. It's a gift that I have given to you to live. So when you think to yourself, this is my time and my energy and my resources and I don't want to risk it, you have a mindset that is not of the kingdom. You have a mindset that it's yours, that this world is yours. Do you hear that? And like we said last week, what do you do with a gift? Kids, what do you do with a gift whenever you get a gift? They're all coloring right now. What do you do with a gift when you get it? Christmas gift. You open them. Do you play with it? Yes. Do you share it with your siblings or your friends? Yes. Yes. There's the little, yeah, I don't always do it. <laughs> Thank you for being honest, Lily. The reality of it is, is just like your parents would give this gift to you and want to steward it and take care of it, they also want you to enjoy it and also offer it to those around you. Friends, our lives are a gift. And the only right way to accept a gift is to open it up, to use it, but also to share with everyone around us. I think I've got a slide for that, don't I, Kyle? The next one. Go right to the next one. Everything in our lives, that's true too. Everything that we have in our lives is something to risk for the kingdom of God. The next one. Our entire life was given to us by the king of the kingdom. Our new life in Christ is a gift. And the only right way to accept that gift is to live with it and offer it to others. Your time, your energy, your talents, your resources. Everything. Even your family. Even your family. Your relationships. Your friendships. Pastor, I'm busy. I don't have time to risk I don't have time to risk. Getting to a discipleship group is very difficult because you don't understand, I work this many hours every single week. I cannot serve my neighbor, pastor. I need to serve my household first. Pastor, nobody will accept my talent. All of these, friends, are risk assessments that we have made about our own lives, and we are keeping them for ourselves. Because, let's really be honest, it's risky to commit to serving others 
Because you do. You have so many other things to attend to in life. However, if you were to begin serving others as God wants you to serve, maybe you'll experience God in a new way that you would have never experienced before. Just focused on your time and your energy and your talents and your resources. Friends, it's risky to be open and authentic with other people. Let's really be honest about this. We all come in here together on Sundays, and we see each other for a few minutes. We say, how are you? And you could have just had the worst week in your entire life, and most likely you said, I'm fine. It is risky to share the difficulties that you have. It's risky to share the doubts that you have. It's risky to share the temptations that you face day in and day out. It's difficult. However, if you're willing, if you share your story and share the things that you struggle with, share the things, I get it's risky, and yet somebody might look at you differently. I get that. I get that. But at the same time, you might inspire in their lives a willingness to go deeper with Christ than they have never wanted before. It's risky to give money away. It's risky to give money to, to, to tithe. It's risky to give to somebody who is alongside the road and who needs help. It's risky. I get it. Because there's this chance. There's this chance that it goes to something that we didn't necessarily want. But maybe... If we give our resources to somebody or to the church, maybe God will work through the gift that you have given in such a way that His kingdom comes, friends. Friends, it's really, really risky to reorganize your entire week around Jesus. It is risky. How do I know this? Some of you have shared how difficult sometimes it is to have energy for this, energy for that, energy for this. What if you have given yourself to things not of the kingdom too much and not yourself to the kingdom completely? It's risky. And yet God might want to do something through you in the kingdom but he's just waiting for you to say yes to the thing that he called you to do a year ago, two years ago, yesterday, today. But the point of this parable is that despite all the risks, we must live faithfully. We must give our time and our energy and our talents, and our resources to Him and Him alone. That's the point of the last servant, friends. The servant who had the most to lose. Do you notice that? He has one coin. Whenever you feel like you don't have enough, what do you do? 
you cling on to what you got. Isn't that true? Think about finances. I'm down to 50 bucks. Nobody do anything. Get off your phone. We're eating bread and water for the next two days. You cling on to that $50 because guess what? If you lose it, it's over. In the same way, this man clung to it and he buried a hole and he didn't live the life that God had given him. And he was so afraid by losing it, he just chose not to do anything with it. And guess what? The results were the same as if he would have lost it. Or actually, maybe not. Maybe he would have lost the coin, but at least he did something with the coin. We must risk everything for the kingdom, friends regardless of how much we think we have or don't have. And we must give ourselves completely to Him in every place and in every relationship. This is how we live faithfully. We give ourselves. Friends, what makes the game of risk more tolerable. Because let's really be honest, you could be crippled by the strategy of it's my country, it's my resource and all these things. What will generally allow you to do a more risky move in the game of risk? An alliance. Faith, too. You could. You could go from your gut, I got a gut feeling. But it's far easier to take risks when you have somebody at your side. Isn't that true in life? It's a risk to do it alone. And this is the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. If you all have really good memories, you remember five weeks ago, Jesus said to him, I will be with you until the very end of the age. Do you remember that? The kingdom of God is inundated by Christ's presence in our lives. Do you know how? It's through His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit that enables us to live lives of love, to serve others endlessly, to make disciples of all nations, to give ourselves completely. He is the one who allows us to do it. But then here's the other beautiful thing. He just doesn't have this pie-in-the-sky spirit thing, and I'm not undermining the spirit's power, but the spirit is also in the people right next to you in this room. Look around you right now. Are you lonely? Are you alone? You are not. God in his kingdom has enabled people to come alongside and when one person gives to the point where they feel like they can't give anymore another person gives and they receive something so that they don't have any needs the point of the kingdom has never been do this by yourself it's always been come together and we give to each other radically and we will not have any needs because God has provided for us through his spirit and through his people.
the alliances in the church aren't just to go and do small things. The alliances in the church are designed to be lifelong. Lifelong relationships in holy love. Friends, giving your time and your energy and your resources and your talents is risky. But God has brought us together so that His will will be done. His kingdom will come through us as we live our lives of faith together. When Jesus returns, are we going to be holding and clutching our talent, our coin, our life? Say, hey God, look, I made it. I didn't talk to anybody, though, and I didn't give myself to anybody. I didn't share the good news of Jesus Christ. I didn't serve anybody. But I believed in you the entire time. Woe be us if that is our life. And the life that we have is, I just buried it for you because it belonged to you, and I didn't want to risk anything. Woe is us. May we not be thrown out where there's weeping and grinding of teeth. But may we risk our entire lives for the kingdom because He has risked it all for you and I. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.